welcome to Real Living. This is Lavinia Spirito with Marilyn Emacek, and we are going to discuss, have a little bit of fun with some Eucharistic miracles. What do we mean by Eucharistic miracles, Mary Lou? Oh gosh, these are real surprises that happened to people unexpectedly, perhaps during Mass, perhaps in other situations, and it always seemed to involve the Eucharist, mm -hmm. which we believe is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's really, it's always exciting to um, hear about these and read about all these miracles which have occurred for hundreds of years at various times. Thousands in unexpected places. And under That's circumstances right. that you, you would be surprised. So, That's right. So, yeah. um, Let's, uh, let's just jump in and um, start with, uh, we can alternate, but we can uh, start with the one, the, the, the original one, right? The one, I'm sure there were, what, there were some before then, but the original one is the one in Lanciano, which took place in 750 A.D. Lanciano is in central Italy. It's actually central south Italy. You, you go through Lanciano when you're going from Rome to Puglia to see Padre Pio. And uh, which we have done several times. Yes. And um, so, what was happening there? I, I think it's fascinating. I mean, they actually collected that. Actually, they had the name of the guy. He was a uh, German or Austrian priest, and he was passing by, or maybe he was Bohemian, and he was passing by, and he was uh, confecting the Eucharist with significant doubts in his heart, right? Right. And. Um, which we know what happens, you know, that's usually kind of a, um, most Eucharistic miracles happen that way, right? Um, and all of a sudden, as he pronounced the word of, of consecration, the host and the wine transformed into what appeared to be, like you said, flesh and blood. So that's mm -hmm. 750 AD. So great miracle. It's preserved. Uh, it's put under glass. We have seen the reliquaries with the blood and the, um, what looks to be human tissue, right? Right. Um, and they're there. I mean, they're there. And it Which has been there for hundreds of years and has never been pre in any preservative or anything. Yeah, thousands, yeah. 1,250 mm -hmm. years. And finally, um, they had a professor. It was basically they had a scientist, a professor of anatomy, histology, chemistry, and clinical microscopy at a local hospital in Tuscany who... Um, did an, a detailed examination of um, biopsy parts of the tissue in the blood, right? And they found out that the coagulated blood was human AB blood type. Right. And that it, it presented not as dried blood, but as normal, fresh human blood. They also found that the, the human a muscular, that the heart, let's see, the host was human muscular striated tissue of the myocardium of the left ventricle of the heart with arteries, veins, a branch of the vagus nerve, and adipose tissue that could all be identified. And like the blood, the flesh that was studied is also fresh living tissue. Why? Because it responded to tests like living tissue does, not like dead tissue does. And it, it, it contained all the minerals, the chlorides, the phosphorus, magnesium, potassium, sodium, I mean, everything that you would normally see in living blood. There was nothing dead about this blood. Right. Yeah, and the, and the proteins were, were in the clotted blood were found to be normally uh, fractionated. 
with the same percentage ratio as those found in normal fresh blood. Mm-hmm. So what's the bottom line? It was heart muscle, it was a cross-section from a heart, and it came from the host. So whose heart could that be? Jesus. <laughs> you know, and um, it, what I like is the connection with the Shroud of Turin, that the, um, that the AB blood type is the same type as the blood on the Shroud of Turin. Now, we're not saying that it is definitively the Shroud of Jesus, but it certainly seems uh, like things might be pointing that way as time right. goes on, right? right? We can't really say a lot more than that, right? So if you ever have a chance to go to Lanciano in Italy, that's really worth the trip. It's, there's really nothing else in that town, but it's worth to go to that church and just take a look. It's L-A-N-C-I-A-N-O, if you ever go. But remember, at that point in time, when people would hear about that, they would be rushing there to see this. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, faith was was certainly changed in many ways to to come to a belief that yes, that really is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Well, and think about before the internet, before newspapers, before universal literacy, before the radio, before tele- I mean, telephones. Yeah. How would you even know? You know. And how would you preserve something like that when food wasn't preserved for very long at all? I mean... It's pretty amazing, right? Yeah, it is. The next miracle is pretty cool, too, and it's in Bolsena. Bolsena is a lake uh, in central Italy. And uh, a priest, a visiting priest, a German priest, Peter of Prague in 1263, was also uh, basically, you know, trying to consecrate Mass but struggling with doubts, right? Right. And he was traveling to Rome, and I think that was part of the reason why he was going to Rome. And while he was saying Mass in Bolsena, the blood began to stream out of the host and onto the corporal. The corporal is just a little linen cloth that's underneath at the moment of consecration. So that was that was a big miracle, right? I'm sure that probably resolved his doubts, right? Mm-hmm. What I like is the part that it was reported to the, the Pope who was visiting in uh, Viterbo, he was visiting at one of the royal palaces of Viterbo, which is fairly close. Mm-hmm. And he had, a, you know, he looked at it. This is Pope Urban the Fourth, right? And he had the liturgical cloth uh, removed to the cathedral at Orvieto because there was nothing in Bolsena, right? But it's very close, right? Where people visit and venerate, and basically, we I think we have we we have visited that that church right. many times, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes the corporal is exposed and sometimes it's not. But we've seen photos and it's definitely a blood-stained cloth. And it's like really cool, right? Because Mm -hmm. uh, the Pope not only recognized this as a Eucharistic miracle, but he commissioned uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, to write Tantum Ergo, you know, the the Mm -hmm. hymn that we know about, um, you know, that we sing in adoration. And I think also Pangelingua, he wrote two of the best and most famous Eucharistic hymns on occasion of this particular Eucharistic miracle. So and that's, that's how we get the Feast of Corpus Christi. Exactly, in June. Exactly. Mm-hmm. that was instituted to commemorate this particular Eucharistic miracle. What do you got over there in your book? You got anything else? Um, so oh, gosh. There's so, <laughs> there's While so you're many. looking, I'll give you one more. There's one in Portugal in the 13th century in Santarém. This is kind of cool because it involves sorceresses and witches and this woman thought her husband was being unfaithful she went to a witch 
the witch asked for a consecrated host as her, quote, fee. So the woman went to Mass, uh, disguised the Eucharist that she had, you know, she took the Eucharist out of her mouth, put it in her pocket to bring it to the sorceress. But before she left the church, the host started bleeding. So instead of returning to the sorceress, she got scared to death, she went home and she put it in a trunk. During the night, Light broke out from the trunk. She repented for what she had done and confessed it to her priest the next morning. The priest retrieved the host and brought it back to the church, which is now called the Church of the Holy Miracle, where it remains to this day. Now, you and I read that book that you're reading, which I, which I can't find my copy. Is that the one where she put it in a trunk in the stable and the donkey started bowing down to it? Yes, all the animals in the in the barn bowed down to the Eucharist. And her husband was coming home, and his horse, before reaching the barn, knelt down. And mm-hmm. he started, like, beating the horse, like, come on, move, move. Couldn't figure out what was wrong. And um, it was several days later when she confessed to her husband what she had done. And, of course, they went and they got the parish priest and came and, and got the host and took it back to church. And I thought there was another one where... where Someone, a, a woman, I don't know, pretending to be a witch or whatever she was trying to do, took the host and was going to cook it. Mm-hmm. She put it in the frying pan, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden blood started pouring out of it, going all over the place. She didn't know what to do, so she ran into town and got the priest and brought him <laughs> back. I mean, and there's 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 one, um, this was in Ireland. It's not... A Eucharistic miracle per se, but but they were going. They were surrounded by by. I guess it was the English, and they knew that they were going to die. They were trapped in there. But mass had just been going on, and and the commander said, you know, we will stay here, you know, in church. And um, the soldiers came in. They looked around, and then they walked out. Well, they couldn't see the soldiers in there. No, they, they didn't see, see any of the Irish soldiers in there. Uh-huh. It was like a not a fog, but they just didn't see them. Mm-hmm. So um, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, if something happens, I want to be in church. Okay. I mean, how many times, when you think about it, have there been um, tornadoes, you know, that have just been so destructive and the church would have been destroyed, but the tabernacle is still there or the statue of Mary or Jesus is still intact. Everything is a mess. Well, how about this? In Avignon, France, in November 1433, a small church run by great penitents of the Franciscan order was exhibiting a consecrated host for perpetual adoration, but there was a flood during the night. And the other, the head of the order and another friar rowed a boat to the church, which was underwater, certain that they had been destroyed. Instead, they saw that the water around the church was four feet high, but although the water in the church was four feet high, a pathway from the doorway to the altar was perfectly dry and the sacred host was untouched. The water had been held back in the same way that the Red Sea had parted. Now, there, there you go. There's, there's a great example, right? Yeah. Um, now, King Louis IX of France, this is in 1270, in his, uh, there's a biography or something that during an exposition, the Blessed Sacrament in the chapel in his residence, the saint was working in his study when a courtier ex- excitedly burst in exclaiming, Sire, the infant Jesus is appearing in the host upon the altar. The saint calmly continued his writing, quietly replying, I could not believe more firmly in Christ's presence in the Eucharist if I were to behold a miracle. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and I can tell you at Christ the King, one night during that's right during adoration, there was someone in there that saw the face of Christ in the Eucharist and took a picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have it on my phone. And that floated around all over. And that and his face did not stay on the host. It was there for quite mm-hmm. almost an hour. Mm-hmm. From three to four in the morning, and um, and we do have pictures of it. Um, so I, let's just specify what we mean by adoration. What we mean I, is the host is reserved after it is consecrated. Of course, it's distributed to the faithful, right? But then right. one particular host is is held back and is put in a display, right? Monstrance, right? Monstrance. Beautiful. Depending on where you go, you can find beautiful ones, right? We have a beautiful right. one in our in our adoration chapel, and because that is the very presence of the Lord, then we can sit there or kneel or be before the Lord as if he he was present in a way that we could actually see him as a person. But except mm-hmm. he's in, you know, the accidents of bread and wine remain, but the substance has been changed. And we know that that is the Lord. And so that's what adoration is. Do you have anything else? Um, well, when you're talking about adoration, you know, who was the man that, that which saint was it um, that would go to adoration and not say anything, just look it's at, at it's Jesus? Saint, yeah, it's Saint I stare at him and he stares at me. It's St. Jean Vianney, but actually it was an old peasant farmer who told him this story. That yes. he would see this guy come in and out, right? And there's more, more uh, modern. Um, there are more modern ones, which I think is kind of cool. Well, 1730 is not modern, but we're getting up there in Siena. There's a famous story of thieves came in on the Feast of the Assumption and stole hundreds of consecrated hosts from the Church of St. Francis, which we were just in, in, in January. Mm-hmm. Two days later, someone at another church found the missing hosts in an offering box covered in dirt and cobwebs. So they then returned them. The priests avoided consuming the host because they looked dirty, right? And let them, and did what they usually do. You 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 put them aside and let, allow them to deteriorate. However, the hosts never deteriorated. And in fact, they appear fresh today as if they had just come out of 1730. And you can still see the host today in the Basilica of St. Francis in Siena. Now, I, I'm not aware of any other... Um, faiths having this occur. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it seems to be only the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. And um, and these, you know, these have been documented. This is n- not made up. We have eyewitnesses. No, we have, we have scientific proof. People want science. You mm-hmm. got science. How about mm-hmm. this one? 1991, Venezuela. So that's 30 years ago. Betania, Venezuela. At the Marian Shrine of Finca Betania in Cuba, Venezuela. In 1991, during midnight mass, this is the priest, I looked down as I was consecrated and I could not believe what I saw. One of the pieces of the host that I divided was showing a red spot and from it a red substance began to emanate similar to blood. After mass, I took the host and preserved it safely in the sacristy of the shrine. The next day at six in the morning, I went to see the host and verified that some of the blood continued to flow. So guess what blood type? AB. It was AB positive, the same type found in the Shroud of Turin and in the other Eucharistic miracles. 
That's so cool. And there's one in India, Trivandrum, India, in April 28, 2001. This is one where the priest is <laughs> consecrating. And then all of a sudden, he sees a, a, a face on the host, and he stops, and he shows it to the congregation. <laughs> hey, get a load of this! You know, that kind of thing. Which Jesus. I think is kind of, it's kind of funny. Oh, my gosh. You know, when Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio, would say Mass at the consecration, it was like he was he was there mm-hmm. on Calvary once again looking at Jesus on the cross. Um, you know, I wish I would have had an opportunity to go to one of his Masses. Yeah, but remember, remember I told you the story of my grandmother and my aunt going. They were all very sexist. The women were in the back. They would never let you close by, unfortunately. <laughs> it was run by a bunch of, like a mob, a local mob of people who had access to the saint, and it was like men only, and then women in the back, and all this stuff. But anyway. Um, okay, Tixla, Mexico, 2006. During a retreat mass at St. Martin of Tours, a consecrated host began secreting a red substance. The diocese immediately contracted a study to determine its origin. And microscopic analysis shows the reddish liquid was secreting from within the host. And after testing the liquid, it was determined to be blood of the of the A, A B, B positive group. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. late as 2010, analysis showed that fresh blood continued to secrete from within the host long after the initial observation. How about this one? Legnica, Poland, 2013. It was Christmas Day. When a priest picked up a consecrated host that had accidentally fallen on the floor, he placed it in water to dissolve, and suddenly a reddish color appeared on the consecrated host. Testing ensued, with the results finding that the host contained it, like Lanciano, 1,200 mm-hmm. years before, striated tissue from a human heart. I mean, there's more and more and more and more. Other tests found that the tissue in Poland in 2013 showed similar signs as those seen in the tissue after the agony of death. Mm. You got any more in that book? Um, I, I keep paging through it, and that the stories are so long that I I don't want to, we don't have time to go through the whole thing, but there's there are, there are some in Austria, uh, Germany, I mean, it's it's not segregated to one area of the world by any any stretch of the imagination. You mentioned, did you mention the one about in in Poland? Yeah. Well, okay. I'm sure there's probably more than one. Yeah. Let's see what that one is. One seventy nine. But the point is, is that you know, it's great when you believe and you don't have to rely on a miracle. So, and then there's one in the diocese of Bergoglio of the former uh, Archbishop yes. of Buenos Aires, our current mm-hmm. Pope Francis, mm-hmm. a consecrated host becomes flesh and blood at 7 o'clock in the evening on August 18, 1996. A priest was saying Holy Mass at a Catholic church in Buenos Aires. As he was finishing distributing Holy Communion, a woman came up to tell him she had found a discarded host on a candle holder at the back of the church. On going to the spot indicated the priest saw the defiled host. Since he was unable to consume it, he placed it in a container of water and put it away in the tabernacle of the Chapel of the Blessed Sacrament. On Monday, August 26th, so this is like 10 days later, upon opening the tabernacle, he saw to his amazement that the host had turned into a bloody substance. He informed Cardinal Bergoglio, right, 
our current pope, pope, who gave instructions that the host be professionally photographed. The photos were taken on September 6th. They clearly showed that the host, which had become a fragment of bloodied flesh, had grown significantly in size. For several years, the host remained in the tabernacle and the whole affair being kept a strict, strict secret. Since the host suffered no visible decomposition, Cardinal Begoglio decided to have it scientifically ex analyzed. In 1999, okay, it was analyzed, and they did not tell the team of scientists what they were analyzing. And they analyzed, and they said it was real flesh and blood containing human DNA. And they testified that the material is a fragment of the heart muscle found in the wall of the left ventricle close to the valves. This muscle is responsible for the contraction of the heart. The heart muscle is in an inflammatory condition and contains a large number of white blood cells. This indicates that the heart was alive at the time the sample was taken. What is more, these white blood cells had penetrated the tissue, which further indicates that the heart had been under severe stress, as if the owner had been beaten severely about the chest. Now this is just a little, little little bit of information on the Eucharistic miracle in Buenos Aires, which is an extraordinary sign attested to by science. So, you know, there's an interesting one in here. St. Cyprian also tells of a man who had fallen into apostasy and yet attempted to receive the Holy Eucharist. Approaching a priest who did not know about the communicants' participation in idolatrous activities. So, According to the prevailing custom, the consecrated host was given into the hands of the communicant. It is recorded that as soon as the host touched his hands, it disappeared. And there remained before his astonished eyes only a few ashes. Wow. And I know that there's another one in here where someone received communion unworthily, and it was like a stone in his mouth. Mm. Now, I've been looking for that, and I haven't been able to find it. So it, it goes both ways. Reverse, reverse Eucharistic miracles. Yeah, may, yeah. may it never happen to us. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, we we, hope we had some fun with these Eucharistic miracle stories. Uh, we're going to come to the conclusion of our show for today. But look them up. Look up Eucharistic miracles and see what happens. Let's give a shout-out to Blessed Carlo Acutis, uh -huh. a boy who died at age 14, an Italian guy who's been in the process of canonization who was one of the first people to, I think he was the first to organize a website in the early aughts, so in the early 2000s, uh, of all Eucharistic miracles. That was his jam. That you know? was his thing. He loved yep. it. He was a computer geek, and he decided he was going to just organize and rate in order mm -hmm. of, I don't know what, all the Eucharistic miracles. So you could look him up, A-C-U-T-I-S, Blessed Charles or Carlo Acutis. Pray for us. Yeah, amen. Thanks for joining us.